We'll get to episode 163 in just a moment, but first a brief message about the Keystone Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Please support the Keystone Chapter by going to supportkeystonechapter.org. Scroll down to the text box, enter any amount you'd like to give. The default is $50, so if you don't want to give $50, please make sure to change that. Someone last week forgot to make that change, and instead of donating $1.62, they donated $50. Very much appreciated, though. (laughs) So again, that's supportkeystonechapter.org. Make a donation. We really appreciate it. All payments are handled through PayPal, though you don't need a PayPal account. You can use any debit or credit card. Thanks again for your support. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 163 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really appreciate you joining me for this episode. And do I sound any better? I'm using the new podcast equipment, I swear. I finally have it hooked up. I'm hoping it works and that I don't have to re-record this using the old method. (laughs) But just to make sure, let me know if you can hear me. Oh. Oh, good. Everyone can hear me, it sounds like. Okay, great. So yeah, so there are funny things like that on there, and I I can put just about anything on there. Now, I don't have a Blind People for Dummies tip of the week this week, but that will be put on this device. It's called a PodTrack P4. It's made by a company called Zoom. Not that Zoom, another Zoom. (laughs) And uh, it's got four buttons where I can put all sorts of um, sound effects or interviews or whatever if I wanted to do the show as if it were live. You know, if I say something funny, I could do that. Uh, There's also transition music that I could enter in, which I will probably use, but probably not this one. Although that's not bad. (laughs) So yes, it's finally running. I've only owned it since August. And it's all hooked up except for using a mobile phone. I can record from Skype or Zoom, the other Zoom. The Zoom you're most familiar with since the the pandemic. Uh, And I haven't tried that yet. I have to test that out too. Uh, So I can get all that on there. And again, I'm hoping everything works out okay and... This sounds good. Please let me know if you have any problems with the sound or any kind of audio issues. And again, you could reach out 646-926-6350. You have up to three minutes to leave your comments. Please leave your name in town. If you do leave a message, I would really appreciate that. And I will play it, as you've heard on the last couple of episodes where I've uh, played Frank and I've played my friend Dan a couple of times on there. So again, 646-926-6350. Please reach out, questions, comments, show ideas, whatever you've got. I'd like to hear from you. You can also reach out via email. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Now, I do have a couple of things to talk about today. And um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, in, in a sad sort of way, or at least there's a funny component to it. And I'll start off with this. Over the weekend, uh, we had a snow event that quickly turned into a rain event. And at this point, I want to say it was Sunday this all went down, Sunday night into Monday in the Philadelphia area. And if you're in, along the East Coast, you, you got something that day too, snow, rain, or something in between. I'm sitting here in Studio B, which is, as I've mentioned before, in the basement, hence the Studio B. And 
uh, it was, I don't know, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, my prime time. And I am, you know, doing some things on the computer and I'm finishing my iced tea for the day. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at Amazon to see if they sell these mugs uh, on Amazon. It's a 59-ounce mug that I put in about 30 to 35 ounces of iced tea, unsweetened, and then about 120, 140 grams of lemon juice. And I know you don't measure liquids by weight, but it's the easiest way for me because I can't see the lines on a measuring cup. And I know that I like, you know, between 120 and 140 grams. I mean, I, I would take more if there were a little more. Like today I had, I, I want to say it's about 155 grams. It's okay, 151 grams, sorry. So I do that in the afternoon, and the tea lasts me the rest of the day until I go to sleep, or, you know, usually before I go to sleep, because I finish the tea, and then I eat the ice cubes. And I put a lot of ice cubes in. Today, there are, uh, I think it was 881 grams of ice cubes. So do the math, uh, uh, 453 grams is a pound, so just short of two pounds of ice <laughs> into, into this mug, along with the 30 to 35 ounces of tea. Black tea. And as I said, unsweetened. Well, I'm on to the ice cube portion of my drink on Sunday night. Again, sometime 12.30, 1 o'clock. Don't remember exactly when. And as I'm tilting it, one of the ice cubes, you know, some ice cubes go in my mouth. And one, you know, hits me on the cheek and hits the floor. And I look for it for a minute or two. And I can't find it. And I said, you know what? It's just one ice cube. It's okay. Around a half an hour to 45 minutes later, I put my foot down. And I hear a little bit of a splash. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I guess I found where the ice cube was. And I don't think anything of it. And I continue doing whatever I was doing. And, and I've been working on a website that um, I've got. It's for a, a content and affiliate uh, website. Um, and, you know, it's around 1.30 and at this point now. And I, I, I had an eye doctor appointment the next morning, which I will talk about it also in a moment. And I put my foot down and there's a bigger splash. I'm like, uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. What's the story there? I then look down at the floor and notice I'm surrounded by water. And I guess my feet, for the most part, were either flat on the ground and not moving, which I guess is bad, or they were up on the, uh, I'm in an office chair with wheels, so maybe they were up on the, you know, on the, the brace of the wheels, you know, the base. And then I look around and I notice that there is water on half of my office floor, half of Studio B, the Studio B part of Studio B, <laughs> which is the same as my office because the desk and everything is on the one side of the room, which is up against the wall. And again, if you didn't remember, we're in a twin, and it seems like more water is against the wall to my right, which is the back of the house, and the wall in front of me, which is the shared wall with the neighbor next door. I'm thinking, could water be coming in their basement? And I, as I go over to the wall to my right, I notice that, no, nope, it's not coming in there. It's coming in the back wall. And I knew exactly at that point, or I should say, I figured out exactly at that point what was going on. And we have an outdoor entrance there, which either got clogged with snow, even though it's covered, or leaves, or a combination. Now, as I turn around to go out back, I realize the heater, the space heater that is sitting on my floor, is still running in the water. It's plugged in. It's one of those heaters. <laughs> so I didn't get electrocuted, which is, I guess, a good thing. 
since the life insurance that I talked to you about about a month or so ago was reinstated, maybe it wasn't a good thing for Liz and the kids. <laughs> but I shut the heater off and I took it off the floor so it could dry off. And I then went outside. And again, it's now it's around two in the morning at this point. And I walk out of our kitchen, which is our back door. And I notice that it's very windy and our recycling can, which is usually next to the stairs of our back door, is now in the middle of the yard and has, you know, a few things left in it, but is pretty empty. So I know that, you know, this has probably been rolling around our backyard for however long. Now, the last time I was outside, Ziggy and I were outside and we were playing in the snow. You know, we had a couple inches of snow, maybe three inches. I don't, I don't know that it was that much, but enough to cover the grass and the sidewalk and patio and and everything and enough once the once the temperatures rose a little bit and it changed to rain it was very easy to make snowballs which Ziggy loves and and he gets he goes nuts when I shovel and and he will bark he rarely barks but when I grab the snow shovel and I just drag it along the cement even if there's no snow he will just start barking at it and gets all excited so one of the things that I like to do is I grab a shovel full of snow and I throw it up in the air and then he goes and he and he jumps for it in the air you know he he loves the snow and Sorry for him that, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, you know, we've kind of come to the conclusion that we are going to start planning on moving someplace warm. And Liz made that determination. I've known this, that I, I knew that at some point we were, uh, Liz was not fully on board until about three weeks ago. But I'll get to that in a minute. So after I pick up the recycling can, I figure, you know, somebody else can look for the, um, recycling that has dumped out all over the yard. But I needed to figure out the water situation. So I go down our back stairs, and, and as I'm doing this, there is, a, there is a little roof that covers part of the stairs, the part where the drain is and the bottom of the stairs, the landing is. But it only covers from the landing and about two-thirds of the stairs. So obviously water can come through down the stairs or you know, around the edge. And because of the snow, the water was just sitting and not running off. You know, when I, when I took Ziggy out the last time or when I took some, some trash out from the kitchen to the trash can, I noticed that as I walked, it was, you know, when water, when the snow gets so slushy that it's mostly water and the snow is just holding it in place. It was just, it was just you know, it was like walking through a swamp uh, of cold water. I, not that my shoes had holes in it, that I felt the coldness of it. But uh, so I and I told Liz about it, and I never imagined how quickly the snow would melt. So when I had gone out, and it was only about two hours or three hours earlier, when I had gone out and played with Ziggy and took the trash out, it was it was gross and mucky and you know slushy and. But there was still a complete covering on the ground, on the grass, on the patio, except for where I had shoveled. And when I was out this time now, around 2 o'clock in the morning, I saw one little pile of snow where I guess I threw a couple of shovelfuls of snow. Otherwise, there was no snow anywhere. Not on the roof of this little overhang to the stairs, not on any of the carts that are out there or, or a patio table, a little coffee table type thing that we have. There was no snow. It's like it didn't even snow. You know, it looked like it had snowed like weeks before because there was just this, like I said, one little pile of snow. So I then figure, okay, I've got to go down to the bottom of the stairs. There's no light in the stairwell. And you have to duck 
when you get to the edge of the roof because even me at 5'9", could still hit my head. And that's as I'm walking down the stairs, I'm like, remember to duck, remember to duck. Because if I knocked myself out, nobody else in the house was awake. No one. I would have been down at the bottom <laughs> had I fallen face first. You know, but I already dodged one bullet. I didn't get electrocuted by the heater in the office. So so that was okay. So I, I felt okay. And when I got down, I did duck. I didn't hit my head. And I saw water down there. I couldn't tell how many steps deep it was or if it was even up past the first step. I didn't know, but I knew that there was water there and I knew what I had to do. So I, we don't have a pump. We don't have any kind of pump, but we do have a, a shop vac, you know, wet dry vac. So I went down into the basement and I grabbed that and I asked Jane because I couldn't see how much water was there. And, you know, I just wanted a little bit of help. I didn't know if I could leave the shop vac at the top of the stairs, uh, if it would work. And, so Jane is helping me with that. And then I realized, I don't know where the hose is to hook this thing up. And so finally I, I thought, oh, okay, I've got to go wake Liz up. I didn't want to, you know, uh, even though she had off the next day, I knew, you know, she gets up at 5.15 or so every day. So I didn't want to wake her, but I had to. I didn't know where the hose was. Never imagined to look inside of the, <laughs> inside of the shop vac, and that's where it was. I mean, it is a good place to store it, right? So she comes downstairs and we start vacuuming it the on the outside and we did it from the outside because I wasn't sure how high up the water was again because I couldn't see and I wanted to do that because I didn't want to open the door in the basement and have you know a wall of water come in and when I say a wall of water you know just would have been you know just would have been more water I hesitate to call it a wall but any more water I mean there was already you know in some spots of the office you know, had an inch or two of water in it. And other spots had no water at all. You know, again, how, you know, water always finds the lowest point. So we're trying to shop back outside and we're going for quite a while, 15, 20 minutes. And, and I'm starting to worry that the, it's not sucking the water up. And again, the shop back is at the top of the stairs. I am at the bottom with the hose. And I, I started to realize that, you know, we're probably working the motor very hard to get the water up this up this slope that again I'm five six steps down eight steps down whatever so it's got to pull extra hard to get the water up and into the shop back and so we do a little bit Liz dumps the water in the middle of the yard we then go downstairs to see if the water was below the threshold which it was at this point and we just finished from there we we uh, there, our laundry room is where the outside door comes in. And Liz vacuumed that up and vacuumed the landing outside. And then we came into the office and we cleaned that up. And all in all, it probably took two to two and a half hours to, you know, get everything up. And then we just had to worry. I, I realized after I had come back in that the power supply, I have a um, uninterruptible power supply sitting on the floor. Everything on my desk, meaning the computer, any peripherals, um, I say any peripherals, the only peripheral I have is a, is a video light and a G-Lady uh, home, maybe some things to charge other devices, uh, iPhone, iPad, whatever. But I also realized that the microphone that I had set up for this recording device that I'm using, the PodTrack P4, is in the water. 
Now, the cable ends are not in the water. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like any of the ends of any of the cables were in the water. And I think the where the power supply was, while it was in water, I don't think it rose high enough to get to any of the jacks or plugs or anything like that. So that part is good. So we get that taken care of, and I'm thinking, it's now, I, I don't know what time it was, 3 o'clock, 3.30, something like that. And we get some fans going, and we run a fan in the laundry room, and we run a fan in the office to get the, to dry out what the, the shop vac didn't. And I still hadn't done the dishes. When I was finishing at 1.30, I was going to go up and do the dishes and then go to bed. And that's usually one of the last things I do, is I usually do the dishes at the end, because I don't like to do some of the dishes and then go back and do more, especially if some that I have to go back and do more, have to go into the dishwasher because I can't see glass very well. I end up nearly breaking things. And knock wood, I haven't broken anything yet putting it into the dishwasher. But I then have to go do the dishes and and I also wait till I finish my, you know, my mug of iced tea and ice and, and whatnot. And so I go do the dishes and I realize at this point, I'm scheduled to, besides my eye doctor appointment at 11.15 on Monday morning, Lisa and I were scheduled to do an interview for White Canes Connect at 10. And I thought, there is no way that I am going to be functioning at 10 o'clock in the morning after, you know, I think I probably fell asleep around 4.30, quarter to 5. Now, that's usually only a 45 minutes, half an hour to 45 minutes later than normal. The problem is I was actually doing something, something strenuous not just sitting in my desk chair on the computer working on something or the most strenuous thing I do maybe would be the dishes if, if I haven't done them at that hour. Usually I'm done long before that. I have to be because our dishwasher takes like two hours to run and I have to make sure that gets done before Liz gets in the shower or her shower will be cold and it will ruin her day because I know if the shower is cold, it ruins my day. So we take care of that, and I, I figure, you know what, let me email Lisa to tell her, you know, what's going on, and to see if she wants to reschedule or just do it on her own. And I'm glad she ended up doing it on her own, but she, she didn't check her email before, and uh, just before 10 o'clock or just after 10 o'clock on Monday morning, I was in the bedroom getting dressed, and I get a text from her, hey, are, are you going to log on? And I, I shot her an e a text, and I said, look, I, I said, I guess you didn't check your email. I said, we had water in the basement, so forth and so on. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing that part of the interview, because we did another part that goes with that uh, White Canes Connect episode, and that will come out next week. Uh, it will be episode 18 of White Canes Connect, and I'll put a link um, probably in next week's show notes uh, for that. Uh, it's a very different podcast than this one. We have interviews all the time. It's Lisa and I. Lisa is great at interviewing. I am not so good, uh, as you could tell by last week's. And although I thought I did a pretty good job with Emily, and I, I enjoyed speaking with Emily. So, uh, you know, I'll get better, and I'll just keep trying. And that's that's all that you can do is, is just keep working at it and uh, trying to improve. I, you know, as I've mentioned before, when I do an interview and try and talk, to folks, I say you know a lot. And I kind of think I got that under control when we talked to Cheryl. 
the other day. I still was not great, though. And again, I'll get better. Uh, and I don't know why I'm not that great, because I always ask questions. But for some reason, when I talk on a podcast interview, I treat it like just a regular conversation, and I don't ask as many questions, and I just want people to jump in with to talk about what I'm speaking about. And I, I kind of think after listening to some things on CNBC the last couple of days, and uh, I was listening to something on Bloomberg, people were just having a conversation. There were questions, but not every back and forth was based on a question. And I kind of think that's, you know, because that's what I listen to most, that's, that's what I was, that's where I come from. And that's why I'm, again, Lisa asks all the questions and does a great job at it. And again, one day, you know, I hope to get somewhere close. I, I don't know that I ever will, <laughs> but we'll see. But I'm digressing from that. So, so everything is done. And Knockwood, it does not seem that anything got damaged here in Studio B. Um, the water does not seem to be high enough to get to the drywall because the drywall doesn't go all the way to the floor. He left about two inches because there's baseboard and the baseboard is vinyl. So uh, that didn't get affected. Now, what could have been affected is the two-by-fours inside the walls. And um, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, I don't smell anything that smells like mold or anything at this point. And I think it dried out pretty quickly. By the next afternoon, by Monday afternoon, everything seemed to be pretty dry from running the fans and, and whatnot. So I mentioned the eye doctor, and I, I was looking forward to going. This was my glaucoma specialist. His name is Dr. Pro, which <laughs> sounds almost made up, right? I mean, I don't call him Dr. Nick, but, you know, Dr. Pro is his name. Uh, he is a glaucoma specialist. He comes once a month to the media office, which is the easiest one for me to get to, if Liz is not taking me, well, and even if Liz is taking me, it's the cheapest one for me to get to if Liz is not taking me because an Uber ride there is somewhere between 8 and $14, depending on the time and, and whatnot. So because we made this appointment for Martin Luther King Day, Liz was off from school, which was great, and that, that's why we made it that day. So I go to the appointment, and there was an, an error on my part. I had called to get the referral... And I used, we used to have, our insurance comes through uh, Liz's work from Walden. And I used the wrong NPI number. I didn't realize that the NPI number changes with the insurance. We used to have Aetna. We now have um, Keystone, Independence Blue Cross, Keystone something. So I get to the appointment and Liz had called ahead to find out that they didn't get the referral. And so she called our primary care physician and they resubmitted it. And the girl said, you know, when Liz had called, hey, you know, I already did this for you. I, I know it was short notice and, you know, I took care of it. And they had a different NPI number. And that's when Liz realized that I used the one from Aetna and not the one from Blue Cross. So... She wasn't sure, the girl at the primary care place, physician's office, wasn't sure that the eye doctor would get the information. So Liz took the information down from her, and I had it on my phone so I could give it to the, to the uh, girl at reception uh, when I went into my appointment. 
So I go into my appointment and of course they didn't get it yet. So she used it off my phone. And one thing I have to say, the, the office wasn't too busy. There was a couple of people waiting and, and three people working. Well, two people working out front and then a couple of others besides the doctor. Everyone in that office was so super friendly and helpful that day. Uh, and I don't know any of their names. Um, the person who checked me in and read, read the number off my phone and then checked me out, um, so helpful and so friendly and professional. It was, it was awesome because you don't always get that. And I, I was so happy about that. Even better was the guy that took me back to do the chart and talk about what medicine I'm still on. And that was a whole other story, which maybe I'll talk about here today or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it still has to do with the psoriatic arthritis medicine. So he takes me back um, after, I don't know, I'm in there 10 or 15 minutes. I don't know. It didn't matter. I was he had some news channel playing on the on the TV, and I was listening to that and, you know, going on my phone and whatnot. It didn't matter. I was good. So he takes me back, and we go go through everything. Now, this is the office, which it's very cool, uh, especially for me, because... I always memorize the chart because for a lot of years, I read the same line. When, when I could see my best, I could read the 2060 line. And every contraption that I saw, it was DAO6. And I would say that even if I couldn't see it. And that sometimes made the people who were taking the information angry because they thought I could see it. Because who could remember that? Well, I can. <laughs> This device, as I've talked about before, after going to my cataract, uh, I'm sorry, cornea specialist, um, it changes. And so we were talking about that, and he was saying how great it is, as I'm trying to struggle to read this, this chart. He said that even though I was reading the particular line I was reading, the next time I came back, the letters would be different, most likely. Not 100% sure, because it's random. They just pop them up as you as you punch in what line to go if you know let's say i read the 2400 line they can go in increments of 50 so i could go from the 2400 to the 2350 uh which i actually read that day with the pinholes uh without the pinholes i don't know that i read the 2400 i'm not sure i don't remember so i finish up with him and i'm sitting there and I, Again, I, I wasn't really paying attention to time. I was on my phone reading some news articles and checking email. And I hear a lady across the hall complaining. Yeah, it's taken me a while. She ends up calling her daughter because her daughter was the one that brought her in. And anybody that, the only people who can go into the office because of COVID are the, the patients. You can't, you can't go into the office, not even to the reception area, unless you're the patient. So she calls her daughter and apologizes and all of a sudden, I realize, oh, I must be here for a while. <laughs> and then I hear the doctor in, in a room next to me talking to uh, a guy. Um, and they were talking about the Eagles. The guy, in, I think he works at the stadium during the Eagles games. And they were talking about, you know, the Eagles had a terrible game the day before. Got bounced from the playoffs by Tampa. Uh, not unexpected to anyone. Uh, and it's funny because my appointment usually... That when I see Dr. Pro, it's usually the day after the Super Bowl. I went like three years in a row the day after the Super Bowl. So we'd always talk about the game. The first year that I did that was uh, the one that the Eagles won. And um, uh, so it was, it's just been funny to talk about that. And um, 
uh, this year we just talked about the playoff game and that was that. And as I'm talking to the doctor, I realize we've been here a while. Now I realize I had to go to the bathroom because I had a big cup of tea at home. And, and so I go out front and the lady's going through and checking everything out. And I forgot to ask her the main question that the doctor and I talked about because everything looked good on the glaucoma side of things, which which is important because the glaucoma will most likely be the thing that takes the rest of my vision. And the issue was my vision was hazy. Now, it wasn't as hazy on Monday as it was on Sunday, but it was very hazy, foggy, whatever. And my it was it was terrible compared to when it's its best. It wasn't at its worst on Monday, but it wasn't anywhere close to its best. And again, that's not great. I mean, if you had vision like that, uh, unless you're one of my blind friends who are listening, um, you would panic and, you know, be at the eye doctor in a second. But for me, it was, it wasn't, wasn't horrible. It just wasn't great. And so we talk about it and I explain to him how um, I usually see this one doctor, but I had been seeing another one because the the one is the main guy of the practice. His name is Dr. Ayers. I had been seeing somebody else in his office, and it happens to be the same practice as the glaucoma guy is in, which is very convenient, I guess. But but what I forgot to do after Dr. Pro and I said, um, he said, you should, see a, you should see Dr. Ayers to get a surgery consult. Now, the last time I saw the other doctor, Dr. Schrack, she said, it looks okay. I don't think you need surgery, which back, I think I did an episode back in November that basically said that, that she gave me a six-month window to check again, but she thought everything looked okay. Dr. Pro, again, not that it's the cornea is his thing, thought it would be best to talk to Dr. Ayers because, as he said, you, you get around on that eye, um, which I do. Um, and I've noticed things, you know, I've, I've walked into things more frequently, uh, especially around the house, because around the house, I don't use the cane, obviously. Um, and uh, I've stepped on the dog once or twice. <laughs> Most times he snuck up on me and I didn't realize he was there. Uh, and then I would turn around, you know, to do something in the kitchen or whatever. And that's, of course, that's what scares me the most. If I'm having something hot in my hands and he's right behind me and I, you know, stumble over him and and whatnot. So he had suggested, again, Dr. Pro suggested um, that I have a surgery consult to do uh, another cornea transplant and um, see what Dr. Ayers says. Dr. Ayers may say no, or he might say yes, whatever. The point is, when I checked out from that appointment, I could have done all that at the desk. But at this point, because I had to go so badly, I was just worried about getting my paperwork back and getting everything so that I could then go to the bathroom. When I came back from the bathroom, <laughs> a minute or two later, I asked, I asked the receptionist, I said, am, am I good to go? And she said, yes. And I, I didn't even think about making that appointment at this point. Um, and uh, I told Liz when I got in the car about it, she's like, uh, all right, well, do you want to call today? I said, I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. My next appointment with Dr. Schrack was in April. Do I want to wait that long? And again, probably not the best idea when it's the only thing that I see out of my left eye. And I, the next day when Liz came home from school, she said, I think we should call. I said, all right. So she called. And as Dr. Pro had suggested, if you say you want a surgery consult, they would find an appointment for Dr. Ayers. Otherwise, if it was just a regular appointment, you're probably waiting about three months. And he's the one that did the last transplant. So 
I'd be replacing the 69-year-old um, end epi- endothelia with uh, either a hole or another part of a cornea. So when Liz called, we didn't have to wait three months, and my appointment with Dr. Ayers is on February 9th. So not that I'm concerned. I'm more concerned having the surgery itself, not because of, well, I mean, you know, something goes catastrophically wrong, and I go from seeing a little to seeing nothing in literally the blink of an eye. (laughs) And um, that's obviously concerning. Um, The other thing is I don't tolerate the numbing, um, the uh, anesthesia medicine very well. Now, the last time I had surgery, when I had the detached retina reattached, I had told the anesthesiologist that, and she gave me something, and I actually didn't feel sick the next day, and I was, uh, it was great. I mean, I, I, you know, the rest of the surgery sucked, but that part was great. The laying on, you know, bed rest for seven days and not doing much for weeks after that, not so much either, but again, my, I, I didn't feel nauseous for two or three days and, and stuff like that. So that part was good. So at least I know that going in. Um, it's just uncomfortable to have the surgery, whether it's that, um, having them around your eyeball and <laughs> doing whatever, um, or just the fact that you've got to do it, you've got to do this and you got to do that, and just waiting for the surgery in the hospital. Look, it would be my 18th for my eyes. Just not a pleasant experience. Now, the cool thing is, as I mentioned before, you're pretty much awake for it. With the retina one, it wasn't very cool because I could feel them cutting and jabbing and pulling, and it was painful, and I'm moaning, and nobody really cared. <laughs> so when they're talking about the new Batman movie that came out and um, cribs from Ikea, stuff like that. I mean, it was an interesting conversation if if they weren't pulling and cutting and doing all sorts of things inside my eyeball that didn't feel good. Um, so, and that was just over three years ago. That I'm sorry, just over four years ago in December of 2017. December 20th. December 19th, 2017. Flew home from London. December 20th. Uh, had that surgery. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm not not excited to have the surgery. Obviously, it is something that, I'm not sure if you could hear that. I'll be interested to know. I touched my phone by accident and I'll be interested to hear if you could hear the voiceover. Uh, it's about two feet away from the microphone. And again, this is a different setup for me. But I'll get into that in a minute though. So uh, in a couple of weeks time, we'll see what Dr. Ayers has to say and whether he thinks I should have a surgery, whether the risk reward is, is there. Uh, again, the other issue when you have surgery with somebody who has glaucoma and has so much other stuff going on with his eye, 17 other surgeries, and anything that you do in there could destabilize it, pressure could rise, cats and dogs living together, whatever. It could set off something that then makes another issue. So hopefully that's not going to be the case, but we'll see. I'm always for having the surgery if it would help me see a little bit better than I see right now. The one thing I know, and I was talking to uh, Lisa the other day and uh, actually on the uh, podcast interview that's coming out next week uh, with Cheryl Frazier who was on there's always a it's almost like a holy grail type of thing you're always searching for the thing that makes you can help you do everything can help you see again and after all these years of trying different things whether it's different accessible technology um, or surgeries I, look I know it's not going to make it better 
it's just going to keep it the same. Um, or in this case, maybe get back to where it was six months ago. It's not going to make it better. I'm not going to run out onto a baseball field and start shagging fly balls or taking batting practice or whatever. It's not going to happen. So I, I've come to that realization. It, did, it only took me 50 years to figure that out. So again, not too excited about it, but we'll see what happens with um, with that surgery and uh, we'll go from there. I'll just touch on this briefly uh, before I talk a little bit about the setup I have here. As I mentioned a few episodes ago, I've been having trouble getting my psoriatic arthritis medicine and it has been such a disaster. And I can't say anything good about CVS Caremark. And I'm not sure if that's what it's still called or if it's just called CVS. They are my uh, prescription insurance company. They have refused on and on and on my medicine that I've been taking for the last seven or eight years that has been keeping it in check. Some days better than others, like with everything. But I was told one thing by one person when I called, then one thing, a different thing by somebody else. One told me I needed to get a new prescription, which I then did. Oh, yes, we got the new prescription, but you need a prior authorization. And I said, well, what is that? I got the new prescription. Isn't that an authorization? No, you need that. The doctor has to do that. So all of this went down while the doctor's office was closed over the holidays. Long story short, I've been without the psoriatic arthritis medicine now for a month. And uh, fortunately, I was able to get into my rheumatologist last week, and he at least gave me some prednisone, which of course can cause all sorts of other issues. And one of the main reasons I was happy to go to the eye doctor, one of the things that the steroid could do is increase your interocular pressure, which um, at this point it did not. So I'm still waiting. I got a call yesterday from, I think it's called Otesla Support Plus or something like that, and they help pay for this ungodly expensive medicine that keeps me, you know, fairly stable with the, with psoriatic arthritis. And I'm thinking, oh, finally, you know, Otesla Support Plus or whatever it's called is from the makers. And of course, I think it's Amgen is the drug company. Um... I thought, oh, if the pharmaceutical company is involved, I'll definitely finally get it now, right? Well, I'm waiting on a call back from yesterday <laughs> about getting this, this medication. I haven't gotten it yet, and I, I don't expect to have it anytime soon. Fortunately, the prednisone has been helping to a degree um, at least make it less painful, and, um, and, th and that part is going. But I don't know if it's, there's, there's an issue with the doctor's office and the insurance company, if it's all the insurance company, I know one thing is this. When I went to my rheumatologist last March, he was going to try to put me on another medication. And I forget the name of it. It's one of those ones. I'm sure there are commercials. It's one of those ones that could kill you, but you only have to take it four times a year. Um, it's an injectable. And I like the idea of only taking something four times a year, unless, of course, it gives you cancer, or you drop dead from a heart attack, whatever. That I'm not up for. You know, maybe Liz and the kids, maybe, now that the insurance is back, but I'm not. Not yet, at least. Talk to me next week. <laughs> so the insurance company, of course, rejected me for that. No surprise there. And no one from the doctor's office called to tell me that and to set up another appointment. And when I talked to the doctor back on December 21st or 22nd, whenever that was, he said, oh, you haven't been to see me since March. And I said, no. I said, 
I haven't because you told me to wait. And we talked about it once I went to the appointment last week. And I said, you told me to wait until we found out if I was going to get the med. And I never found out one way or another if I was approved for that medicine, which, of course, I wasn't. Which now, after hearing about all the issues with Caremark, makes me realize that it's them at least 60%. Look, if they're the ones who are approving or not approving the medication, because, look, they've got to pay for it. And again, these medicines are not cheap. Uh, the Otesla is somewhere between four and five grand. I want to say it's around $4,400, but I, I don't remember the exact amount. I know my regular insurance covers about $3,000 of it, give or take. And the support plus covers some of it. And then there's a, another thing that covers some as well. All to get it to me for nothing, which is, you know, I like, I like free, especially when it makes me feel better or keeps me feeling the same and not worse. Which, again, I've been on this medication since I think my dad was still alive, so maybe even longer than maybe even longer than seven years because my dad died 10 years ago this June. So for however long I've been on it, it's been keeping me relatively the same. As an imp- at the beginning, it improved it a lot. But now, you know, it, it's, it's been maintaining. There are some days when storms come or it gets really cold that it, I would ache. Uh, and that's one thing that I was at the rheumatologist, he said, you know, how have you felt the last month? I said, well, I've been off the medicine, so I, I don't know if it's if I would have felt this bad if I was on the medicine. I don't know. But I know in the winter it always makes me feel, the cold always makes me feel not so good. I can't move as well. And Liz, like I said earlier, has finally gotten in on that, hey, I'm ready to move to where it's warm. Now, does it make sense a year and a half after we bought this house? <laughs> No, probably not. But I know this, that I cannot move some days, and it hurts so much some days. <laughs> and now it hurts Liz, too. <laughs> well, I'm not happy that it hurts Liz, but I'm glad she's on board. So we are going to start to, and sadly, it does not look like we will be going overseas at this point, probably somewhere along the Atlantic coast or Gulf coast. Um, and I don't know that that's the best choice, but as I've stated a million times, I really want to be near a beach. I want to be near a beach where I could walk around without cars on it, driving by where you have to pay attention to crossing the street and I don't hear a car and next thing I'm a hood ornament or 40 feet away from the car with my shoes still near the car. Why do they? Why does that always happen? <laughs> Stop laughing, Alex. Um, so we are going to start to look. Um, and that will also change our medical insurance because like I said, we get insurance from where... Liz works at the Walden School, which she obviously will not be working at once we move because they're in media and media is not warm because it's about five miles away. (laughs) So uh, I'm not sure where we're going to look. If you have ideas, please reach out. I'd love to hear them. Um, Again, same numbers, 646-926-6350 or I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. my guess is we'll end up in Florida. Again, I don't even know what we're looking for. I don't know if we should look for the job first for Liz or look for the place first and then look for a job or at least a town. I need something walkable. You know, I'd love to, and I know most folks don't know Media, Pennsylvania or Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'd like something like that, but where it's warm and near the beach. I don't need to be on the beach because insurance on the beach is crazy expensive. I also don't want a condo. Um, I want 
a single-family house or some sort of multifamily building where we would own it and then could rent other places out. Uh, that was always my dream. Uh, if you've ever seen some of the House Hunters International, I know there's been a couple where, uh, not that I wanted to move to Costa Rica or any place like that, but they've had them in France as well, where in France they're called G, I, I don't remember what they're called in Spanish, um, but basically a main house and then several other houses, you know, two bedroom, two bath type of place that we could rent out either through something like Airbnb or uh, VRBO. Um, or even if it's just weekly, that would be fine too. And again, if you're near a beach, that's something that could do. And then that would alleviate the reason for Liz needing to go find a job somewhere because we could use that rental income as our income and uh, then just go find insurance. I mean, a job would be helpful to get the insurance. Um, but uh, but we'll see. But we are starting to look. Please, if you have any ideas, what might be a good fit? Uh, if we're just buying a house on our own, like to stay under three hundred thousand um, dollars. I don't want to take a mortgage, um, and uh, uh, otherwise, you know, I would take a mortgage if we could get several rental units along with the main house that we would live in. So that's where we are. <laughs> and I do appreciate you listening to this episode. Please share this with your friends if you think it's worthwhile, and uh, let me know uh, whether it's email, voicemail through any of the socials, at David Benj everywhere, as I mentioned earlier, um, how it sounds. And uh, moving forward, we'll get back into the swing of it. Again, this is the first one that I'm recording on the new setup, which is a, an actual microphone on a boom arm that's attached to the desk, running into a Zoom PodTrack P4. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you're well, you're staying safe, and I will talk to you next week. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.